This edition of the Ortho Show, Alt AAOS, is brought to you by Kairos North America. Kairos are excited to be launching their new Infinity Lock button system, a super simple, super fast ACJ repair system. No coracoid drilling, high strength, low stress, less time. Check out the Infinity Lock and Kairos other new innovations at kairosna.com. That's X-I-R-O-S-N-A dot com. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Uh, so my name is Spencer Doty. I'm an ABC certified prosthetist and orthotist, and I'm the president of Active Life. Um, I We have a total of uh, 10 clinics in Southern California, so we serve all counties in SoCal. And uh, second generation, both of my parents are orthotists and prosthetists as well, and they own a clinic and operate a clinic out of New Mexico. So all in all, Active Life uh, is in California, New Mexico, and uh, we, we enjoy seeing patients and helping people out. Yeah, well, Spencer, I've known you for a while, but you're a super humble guy. Uh, and I think it's important for our listeners to know that, you know, you're the real deal. I mean, you're more than just a, a guy that owns a bunch of O&P shops. Uh, you're an influencer in this space and people look to you on your social media platforms, particularly on LinkedIn, for advice, you know, not only on products, but, but um, you know, as they think about how they're going to run their practice and what they want to do. And I think that the reason why we asked you on the show today is now more than ever, as we are um, at this moment when this goes live, we're probably all still on lockdown. We're operating out of our, our houses. Um, you know, people are looking for advice and some guidance. So before we get into that, tell me a little bit uh, right now about what's go- what's going on for you. Like what's going on at home? You know, what's your life like today? And what's going on over at the, the Active Life, the, the 10 clinics? To tell us sure. a bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Well, I do have uh, three young kids at home who uh, all the schools were canceled. So that's that's been uh, fun through the end of the year. And my wife has a full-time job working for a hospital system out here. So it's given me some interesting perspective on the COVID crisis because I'm, I'm in tune with what the hospitals are dealing with and probably got ahead of, uh, ahead of things in terms of how, <clears throat> how severe things were and could get. So uh, we really tried to jump jump ahead and be prepared both on the, the family side and also on, on the, the business side. Um, so we've just been adapting and evolving. And, um, you know, I knew this would be around for a while. The, again, thanks to my, my wife's relationships at the hospitals, we knew this would be longstanding. And so we did make a decision uh, or I made a decision several weeks ago that we needed to evolve and adapt our business in a way that we could continue providing care in a responsible and compliant matter with the CDC guidelines um, in a way that we could sustain our, our business over the next, I don't know, three to six months. And I think some people, unfortunately, you know, we're kind of hit with this, this realization that uh, things are different and maybe we're hoping things would get better in two weeks or three weeks, but it's, this is here to stay for, for a long enough time to where people don't, haven't necessarily prepared the working capital to handle that. So, so how, you, some, how yeah. are you guys doing that? I mean, it's, it's hard, right? You're in, you know, you're in a very physical form of patient care. So we, we've already yeah. been talking to people who've pivoted to telemedicine, obviously not Absolutely. an option for you really, or, or maybe it is. Well, you know, there are aspects of what we do 
that that could apply wholly to help to telemedicine. But, um, uh, you know, for example, if there's a, an orthopedic soft good device, like a, a universal wrist brace, you know, it's like a right universal wrist brace. Um, it, it's certainly possible that no contact would be needed to provide that kind of that, that service and get it to the patient contact free, if you will. Um, and then there are aspects of her care on the other end of the spectrum. Let's just say like a cranial remolding orthosis for an infant or a prosthetic limb where there's absolutely going to be some hands-on, you know, orthotist, prosthetist touch there. Um, so, so then the question is, how far can we push telehealth uh, in, in those areas to where we reduce the need for an in-person or or contact environment as much as possible. And we have, we've had, I know I'm not alone. I've talked to many local business owners here in California, as well as throughout the country, as well as leaders from many large organizations. And, you know, everyone is obviously impacted and trying to make appropriate business decisions and uh, make those tough calls of what to do with staff that no longer have um, a day-to-day workload. Um, what to do for patients who like ortho surgeries, right? Uh, quote unquote elective, you know, the, the, these elective things are, are uh, not able to be seen right now because we're, we're clearing the way of course, for the, the urgent COVID needs. Um, and uh, it, it, even my own, uh, all of my, all my two older kids both had ear tubes put in and I've got uh, a one-year-old who, who has had fluid in his ears for three months and, and, you know, potential hearing loss and in pain all the time. And we were scheduled to have ear tube surgery and that got canceled too. So, you know, like everyone I know is inconvenienced um, by what's going on because we're, we're trying to do what we can to get through this crisis. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting to make sure that we don't put business and money in front of being responsible, but we do have a business to run. So, and we have, a lot of patients and employees that are counting on us. So right. that's Let's, the question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me add, that's the question. Exactly. So yeah, you got a business to run and, and, uh, and, and I get it, but you've got, you have a responsibility to some of these patients. So, so whom, and obviously to your employees, but whom of that patient population can't wait? Who are the people specifically that you're focusing on now that you're like, look, you know, this can wait, but this and, and tell me broadly for the OMP community, who do you think the OMP should be trying to contact and work with and help patient wise? And what can they set aside? Sure, sure. Well, you know, we, we try and um, I would imagine I'm I'm like others in the industry that are looking for guidance from the leaders in in our trade organizations or accreditation groups. So the American board for certification, I know has provided some, some guidelines, um, OPGA, AOPA, these groups have provided good resources for us. Um, but ultimately they're not dictating what we can and can't do. Right. So, uh, and, and I do know that there's a spectrum of what people are doing, uh, out there and some may find it acceptable. Some may not. Um, I tried to learn a little bit from what the hospital clinics are doing, follow some of some of their logic. Uh, so, for example, if you're like a primary care provider, physician at this point, um, if they're only seeing patients where if they weren't to see them, they would be jeopardizing, uh, you know, the, the like in process care, if you will, or or by not treating them, they would end up in the ER, which is just going to add to the, the, the current problem. So using that philosophy, uh, you translate that to O&P, 
um, there, there are certain, certain patients that we see that absolutely can wait. Uh, an example, a diabetic shoe patient who um, is eligible for a new pair of diabetic shoes, but isn't really having problems with their old shoes and their feet are fine and so forth. They can wait another month to get that pair of shoes. On the flip side, the diabetic population with all the comorbidities that exist for them are a very sensitive population to COVID. And so, you know, if they, if they don't take care of their feet, I know it sounds simple, like shoes, like why are shoes important? Well, if they don't take care of their feet, they're going to get an infection. They're going to end up in the ER. It's, you know, it could be very bad for them or uh, clog the system for those that need uh, urgent care. My take on this is this is going to change. It's going to change a lot of industries forever. But it's really going to affect, you know, orthopedics. We've talked about that. But it's also really going to affect the OMP. I think it's going to change how you do business and how you approach things. Tell me, what's your take on that? What are the changes you think that are going to happen that are going to stick? Well, you know, like like any business, uh, you know, I care what the sector is. If you if you don't have the the working capital to survive a couple of you know weeks or days even of of uh, disrupted incoming cash flow, I think a lot of those folks are going to have a hard time being a going concern through this. Um, from what I'm being told, a lot of the SBA um, Small Business Administration funding and all of that that's coming out uh, by the time you get the cash, it, it you know might be four weeks from now or five weeks from now. And already, you know, people have, have taken a hit. The, the advantage that I would imagine most O&Ps or any healthcare provider have is that we still have trailing payments coming in, you know, from our accounts receivable. Yeah. So unlike companies that, you know, you get cash in that day and, and what have you, there, there, for the most part, should be some buffer there. But um, I think it really depends on, on, the, on the business and how diversified they are. Um, you know, if, if a business was really reliant on the geriatric population or the Medicare population um, or the hospital business, you know, a lot of that, you know, you just lost a, a big a big source of your. But, um, but I want to know more specifically, yeah. how does it change the way that we practice? Right. So let me give you an example. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you just talked about dropping off something at the door of a hospital and yeah. they're going in and they're fitting that. Right. That that was your job. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. a skill set that the orthotist or the prosthetist has worked hard to you know, well, maintain. Do, well, does it, that does line, it we, ever come back? You know? Well, well, we, we lost a lot of that year, years ago when the, the major bracing companies started designing better products. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there, there was a time when you'd go to O&P school and you would learn how to hand make a corset, you know, and, and now you can there's universal LSOs and TLSOs and all of that 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 make it so easy. You know, I, I'm just saying as a whole, we're, we're, we're used to that. But no, I think where it's going to change things is uh, telemedicine and telehealth are, are going to, I don't believe they are going to go away. In, I think, in O&P. In O&P. Absolutely. I mean, again, you can't remove the hand skills portion of what we do for a lot of what we do or part of what we do. But the service model, the the interactions that are needed, the evaluation portions, you know, the, the part of what we do that don't require a set of hands on a patient or a device, I think I think you're going to see that shift to telehealth and telemedicine. Um, and I think once people realize that there's a lot of cost savings there, too, that, you know, it's I guess the question is, why why would we go back? Yeah, great question. Well, tell me this. What What's your message to the uh, the manufacturers, right, to, to the suppliers for your industry? 
to help you be able to do that, to get ready for that transition for what, you know, for whatever comes after this? Sure. Well, you know, like the marketing and development budget for a global billion dollar company is going to be much larger than the independent O&Ps or even the larger O&Ps, right? So I think there could be stronger collaboration there between the providers and the manufacturers in a way that is mutually beneficial. If we're using your product, whatever that brand is, and you have resources that both the supplier or provider like myself and even the patient can use, great, why not? Like, you're like the manufacturer is going to likely develop a better video for, you know, a one minute fitting video of some off the shelf item versus the, the smaller O and P company. So I think that's a way that we can work together. Um, I think you're going to see some of the channels disrupted too. I, 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 uh, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a sales rep. You know, I, I know a lot and I know there's a lot in California, at least there's a lot of like 1099 independent, uh, you know, sales reps that represent lots of different companies. Um, I, I just, I think that channel is going to be disrupted quite a bit because a lot of that, a lot of that is, has been relationship driven, right? You access to physicians and hospitals and, and all of that. I think if you start seeing that tighten up, I think, I think for O and P at least, um, and that's what I, I was mentioning in that LinkedIn article that I, I posted this morning. I think there's an opportunity for O&P to regain some of that market share that it did lose to sort of independent sales reps. Take me through the article, if you can remember, because you sent that to me. It was good. There's some interesting stuff on there. And it, what I like about it is it's almost got a bit of a message of hope, right? Uh, oh, for sure. Well, I mean, look, for the most part, so so the article was just mentioning, um, you know, the the reduction in, in orthopedic surgeries, the elective, you know, surgeries and, and, you know, projections on how much it will lose and then how much it will come back. Like you got to make it up. And for the most part, you know, if someone needs a hip replacement, just because it's delayed for a month, it doesn't mean they're not going to need it a month later. And, and the same is true for, for O and P and that there is a silver lining for us in that if we have to delay care, it doesn't necessarily mean the patient doesn't still need the item. So, um, you know, I mean, the question is, can, can we weather the storm until, you know, that, that time, uh, for, for a lot of companies that that's the question, but, uh, but the article itself, yeah, it's projecting that, um, at the fourth quarter, I think it was, we're going to see like maybe 120%. Uh, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. 120% versus the, the typical, um, uh, surgery level that we might encounter. And so we can make up, um, for businesses, at least they can have a chance to catch up on some, some earnings at that point. But, um, you know, I, I think the the field is the whether it's O and P or medical device or uh, stock and bill arrangements, whatever it is, it's just it's going to be different. So I think those that are creative and have a, a business model that uh, that that works for hospitals and doctors and patients, th- those are the ones that are going to succeed. Yeah. So the message you're saying is, you know, get is stay alive, right? Keep your yeah. business going. Get ready. Know that it's going to bounce back but be ready to adjust to, to a new way of doing business essentially. Well, well, yeah. And, you know, part of the challenge for a lot of O and P's is that, um, as I mentioned, I'm second generation. So I've been around it since I'm like, well, since I can remember, um, I, I used to be like a mock patient for the, uh, the exam they would do <laughs> when, when I was a kid. So, um, so I've been around it a lot and I just, I know that there are generational differences for O and P, uh, there's, there's my parents' generation, there's, 
there's kind of the in-between and then there's, there's me, I'm, I'm 37. So I'm, I guess I'm a relatively young owner, um, in, in the industry, but, um, uh, for what the feedback that I'm getting from some of the people that will just say we're already within five years of retirement is that this is really, uh, hard on them because the, the drive and desire and maybe capability to push through and like innovate, it's like, it's, it's not there for them. Um, it was kind of like the same, my, my grandpa was a physician, um, who passed away a little while ago. And, um, I remember when electronic medical records were coming out, you know, like he was, he was one of those that's like, why do I want, like, I'm a couple years out from retirement. Why am I going to want to deal with this whole EMR thing? You know, just let me take care of my patients for the last two years or whatever. So, you know, I, I just, I just think that, um, the, you'll notice in the ONPs at least that the leadership that is in place at all these different entities, I, I think it's the leadership will dictate a lot of what happens, not even so much the market conditions, the leadership. Spencer, key takeaway from you, sir, you, you're preparing here to come out the other side. I mean, we're really glad to, to have someone like you who's a thought leader that that, that is hopeful that, you know, that tomorrow there's still opportunity out there. Just, just give me your your, your snapshot that you would want to right now say to the OMP community and even to the, you know, to the surgical community that should be relying on you guys um, to get through. Yeah, absolutely. I, there, there, there is hope, you know, obviously, I mean, we, we have to prioritize the healthcare of this country right now for the COVID patients. And I think everyone's trying to do that and everyone understands it's not the time now to be selfish or irresponsible. Um, that being said, there are things that companies can do to try and protect itself. There's lending available. Um, and there are things that uh, practices that uh, via telehealth or some other mechanisms that that companies can do to try and, uh, and make it through this tough time. And I think, you know, if they can be open to change, then th- there should be no problem with, with succeeding through this time. Brilliant. Thanks, Spencer. Anybody that doesn't know Spencer, you should know him. Go and check him out on LinkedIn. Let's see if we can get Spencer. Let's see if we can get you up to 100,000 connections on LinkedIn. And I'd like like anybody that connects with him, send him a really long email. (laughs) (laughs) He'll love that. He's got all kinds of time on his hands. Spencer, thanks so much for for coming on. You're an absolute legend. And uh, thanks for being a voice for the OMP here on the Ortho Show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.